Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel. I hope you're having a good day. Welcome to my channel if you are new. If you are not new, welcome back. So today we are going over a very highly requested case. This is a very fresh case. This all just unfolded in like the last month, but it had been going on for some time before that. So many of you have asked me to cover it and I wanted to wait till there was a bit more information. I was hoping we would have a little bit more by now. We don't. This is everything that we have as of, let's see, May 22nd. I am filming this one quite a bit in advance. I am pre-filming a few videos right now. Today, we're going to be talking about Vicki White and Casey White. And don't get confused. These two are not related. They are not married. They just happen to have the same last name, which is really weird. And the information on their lives, especially their early lives, is quite limited, especially Vicky's. So... I'm doing my best to cover what's out there. I'm sure over time more and more is gonna come out, but like I said, this just happened. And so many of you have requested that I cover it, especially on social media. I have been tagged, well, I was getting tagged a few weeks ago when this was all unfolding on endless posts on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok even. And if you're totally lost and you've never heard of this case, well, that's okay. I'm going to explain everything we know at this point. Let's go ahead and get into it. So let's start with talking about Vicki White. Like I said, there is a very small amount of information on Vicki White and her life kind of leading up to all of this. And from what we do know, she seemed like a pretty decent person, you know, a law-abiding citizen. She seemed to take her job really seriously and was respected by people she worked with, which makes it so hard to then understand why she did what she did. We do know that she was born in 1966 to her mother, Pat, and her father's name is unknown, but she also did have two brothers. She joined the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office in 1997 and began her lifelong career in law enforcement. She was married to another man named Thomas Edward White, and the two of them lived on a cattle farm, but their marriage quickly ended after three years when Thomas developed a drug problem. Vicki eventually became the assistant director of corrections for the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Department and was well known, like I said, for being a model employee. Between 2015 and 2022, she had been awarded supervisor or employee of the year five different times. Those who knew Vicki or worked with Vicki said that she was extremely kind. She was very helpful. She took her job seriously. She had a good attitude most of the time, but she was pretty private. Like she just didn't share much about her personal life with others, but her coworkers said that she was great to work with. And she was the type of person that you could go to if you needed something to happen or to get done. She was good at getting things done. She was very trusted among the other jail guards and employees. She didn't have any kids. It seemed like she truly dedicated herself to work. It was very, very important to her. And that's about all we know. Then there's Casey White. According to Casey's mother, Connie Moore, Casey was a, quote, basic country kid who grew up in Alabama. He's also a very big dude. He's 6'9 and 330 pounds. So his mom said because of that, he wasn't really picked on. But she said his life really started to take a turn for the worse when he was 18 and he was introduced to drugs. At that age, he was also diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, which made his life extremely difficult, especially when he was unmedicated. Now, Casey's mom is adamant that he 
was a good person. He just got mixed up with the wrong people, particularly according to her, women who took advantage of his quote, good heart. But if you take a look at his criminal history, you're going to think otherwise and probably disagree with his mom. His first arrest was in September of 2010, when he beat his brother in the face with the handle of an axe sledgehammer. He was formally charged with assault on February 9th, 2012, and was sentenced to four years in prison, but he was released early in 2015. And... He was far from reformed when he was released early from prison. And even before his release, Casey was planning some terrible things. For example, the U.S. Marshal Service said that Casey had threatened to kill his ex-girlfriend and his sister if he was ever released. And if he did, he wanted police to kill him. This ex-girlfriend is separate from another woman who he dated. Her name was Christy Shelton, and she died from a shotgun wound on February 1st, 2008. And her death was ruled a suicide at the time, even though her daughter, Summer, reported that Casey was in their home on the evening her mom died. So that is hopefully going to be investigated further. Casey was also questioned for the murder of a 59-year-old woman named Connie Ridgeway. She was a resident of Waterdale, Alabama, and she was found dead, stabbed to death in her apartment on October 23rd, 2015. She was actually found by a concerned neighbor who went over to her apartment to check on her and the door was open and she was just lying on the floor. Casey denied any involvement. He was questioned by police. However, there was not enough evidence pointing to him. So he was never arrested for the crime. And shortly after Connie's death, Casey acted on on threats that he had made against his ex-girlfriend. So that all unfolded on December 1st, 2015. At 10.15 that evening, he went over to her house to seek revenge because he was angry that she had moved on with someone else. And he went over there with two handguns. And his ex, who has not been named for safety reasons, was at the house with her two children and two others were there as well. And he just went in and started firing at all of them. Luckily, though, her children were in the basement, so they were unharmed. And then the other two that were there were roommates, and they were able to climb out the bathroom window. However, some reports say, and this is unconfirmed, that Casey had held them hostage before they were able to escape. Luckily, his ex was also able to escape. She ran out of the house, ran towards a neighbor's house, and Casey followed her, shooting at her, and no one was harmed in this whole incident, thankfully. But as he was fleeing the scene, he shoots back at the house, and he just happens to hit their dog. Missy Britches was the dog's name, and the dog passed, And it's crazy because this was his dog, too, that he apparently loved. But luckily, no humans were harmed in that incident. But that was just the beginning of his crime spree. Right after he attempted to murder all of these people, he goes only two miles down the road and holds this man at gunpoint. And this man had no cash on him, but Casey did manage to steal his car keys and his Ford Explorer. And then he drove this stolen vehicle north along Interstate 65 for about 20 miles until he reached the Tennessee Welcome Center. So at that point, he had, you know, committed another felony by 
by taking a stolen vehicle across state lines. And if you're confused, this is all just Casey's prior history leading up to the latest incident. But anyway, he crosses the Tennessee-Alabama border with this stolen vehicle, realizes that it's likely been reported to the police, so he needs to find another getaway car. And at this point, his ex had already reported him to the police, so he gets to this welcome center, and that's when he saw an 18-wheeler. And he decides to steal that because he thinks, you know, the police are unlikely to suspect that as his getaway vehicle. So he attempts to carjack this 18-wheeler, and luckily the driver was able to barricade himself in the sleeper section, which his original plan was to have the driver take him wherever he wanted to go, you know, hold him at gunpoint. So the big truck jumped up, knocked on the truckers, and I was going to get him to just drive me. But when he was unsuccessful at stealing this truck, he spots another woman and decides to steal her car or attempt to. This woman was fortunately able to lock herself inside the car, but Casey began pounding and shooting at her door and one bullet ended up hitting her arm, which he claims that he was just trying to smash the door open and the gun accidentally went off. Luckily, this woman survived and he was unsuccessful at getting the 18-wheeler or her car. So he ends up just deciding to go along with the car that he took from back in Alabama. He takes it another 20 miles north on I-65, pulls off at a gas station in Cornersville, Tennessee, where he finds a man filling up his white 2012 Lincoln. And then he held him at gunpoint takes his car and drives off. And for the next 30 minutes, he drives back towards Alabama, speeding at 100 miles per hour. So that means in less than a few hours, he had crossed state lines twice with stolen vehicles. Then an officer in Limestone County spots him and that's when a car chase began. It was short-lived. It ended at 1 a.m. in Athens, Alabama when Casey hit a ditch and the stolen vehicle was stopped. But when they get him out of the car, he holds a gun to his own head and says that he will shoot himself unless they let him talk to the county sheriff. Eventually the sheriff arrives talks to him and Casey surrenders. And when they have him in custody, he said his only regret was not falling through on his original plan, which was killing his ex-girlfriend and then being killed by police, which is exactly what he said he would do before he was released from prison. So at that point, he was held at Limestone County Jail, where he faced 15 charges, including first-degree attempted murder, six counts of first-degree kidnapping, first-degree robbery, first-degree theft of property, third-degree burglary, cruelty to animals, breaking and entering a vehicle, attempting to elude, and two counts of first-degree burglary. And because he had his little trip over the border to Tennessee, he faced charges in both states. In Tennessee, he was being charged with first-degree attempted murder, two counts of attempted carjacking, and theft of more than $10,000. So he waits in jail till March 8th, 2016, when he was finally indicted on the 15 charges. Almost three years later, on February 4th, 2019, Casey finally went to trial. He was charged four days later with seven out of the 15 charges. And after his guilty verdict, Casey was transferred from the Limestone County Jail to Williamson E. Donaldson Correctional Facility located in Bessemer, Alabama. Then on April 29th, 2019, he was sentenced to 75 years in prison. And of course, he appealed that and was denied. But then to everyone's surprise, 
a year later, in June of 2020, Casey writes a letter to the lieutenant of the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office and confessed to the murder of Connie Ridgway. One of the investigators in Connie's death believes that Casey was paid to kill her, and they haven't been exactly clear on why they think that, just that they believe that because he knew details about her death that were never made public. But some people, including Casey's mom, just think that he only made this confession so that he would be transferred to Lauderdale County Detention Facility. And Casey had previously asked for this transfer because there were three other incidents where he was shanked by other inmates. It's my understanding According to Casey, he'd been shanked a couple times while he was there in prison. He didn't like it down there and wanted to get back in the county jail. So we don't know for sure if this was a legitimate confession or if he just wanted to be transferred. But on August 3rd, 2020, he was transferred to the Lauderdale County Detention Facility for an interrogation about his claims of killing Connie Ridgway. And he remained there for three months. And that's where he first meets Director of Corrections, Vicki White, who was 56 years old at the time. In October of 2020, Casey was arraigned on the murder charges, but despite a full confession, he pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Now, his trial date had yet to be determined. However, Casey was being transferred back to Donaldson Correctional because they had heard down at Lauderdale that he was planning an escape. And Donaldson is a maximum security prison, so they figured it was a safer place for him to wait for his trial. But in the months that he did spend at Lauderdale County Jail, it is believed, and seems pretty freaking obvious, that Vicky and Casey became close. So close that the two of them started to send letters back and forth when he eventually was transferred back to Donaldson. And the two of them ended up being reunited at the Lauderdale County Detention Center in March of 2021 when Casey had to undergo mental health evaluations to corroborate his not guilty by reason of insanity plea. But at that time, COVID numbers started to spike again. So he ended up having to stay there for four months and quarantine, which was convenient for him. I mean, he got to be back with Vicky. But when his quarantine ended, he was transferred back to the maximum security prison. And of course, the communication between Vicky and Casey continued. And inmates later reported that while he was at the Lauderdale County Jail, he received like special treatment from Vicky that she would give him extra food. He got certain privileges and his trial date for the murder charge was eventually scheduled for April 18th, 2022. And Casey was transferred back for a final time to the Lauderdale County detention facility. He was transferred back there on February 24th of 2022. And it's believed that at this time, Casey and Vicky's relationship got even stronger. And around that time, Casey's mother, Connie, said that she was somewhat aware that this relationship was going on, but only to an extent, she says. She said that her son told her about his, quote, pen pal, but he kept her identity private. So she didn't know exactly who it was that he was talking to. But she says that Casey grew to love this woman, and apparently he often referred to her as his quote, baby or wife. And she said this seemed strange to her, but she didn't want to discourage her son. To her, if calling this woman his wife made him happy, then she didn't see the problem. But what's crazy is at some point, Casey tells his mother that 
this woman is going to come and visit her and his two kids. He's got two kids and a grandchild. So Vicky comes over and visits his mother and these kids. And his mom says, Casey called and said she was coming by and it just happened that fast. And she was at the door. She seemed real nice and it was nothing out of the ordinary. She didn't stay very long. I didn't know who she was. And Vicky even began sending birthday cards and Christmas cards to his kids. And his mom, you know, didn't try to stop it, didn't think anything of it. But then Casey tells his mom that this woman is going to try to help him get out of jail. And she thinks this is odd, but Casey assures her that this is going to be done legally, that this woman is going to help get him lawyers. And he said that afterwards, the two of them would be together. And his mom was skeptical of this, of course, and said that she didn't think it would be a good idea unless this woman had more money than she knew what to do with. But again, she said that she was happy for her son. She wanted what was best for him. And she didn't try to hinder the happiness that she saw in him around that time. So Casey's trial day was approaching. It was supposed to be in April of 2022. It was moved to June 13th, 2022. But little did everyone know there was a plan in place so that Casey wouldn't even have to go to trial. Because for the previous three to four months, Vicki, who had worked with the Lauderdale County Detention Center for 17 years, told her co-workers that she was planning her retirement. She told her peers she filed her paperwork, and all was set for her to retire on April 29th, 2022. And Vicky even sold her home, and she had been living with her mother for five weeks leading up to all of this. And Vicky told other people in her life, including her mother, that the reason she was selling her home was because it was too big for just one person, but that was not the reason. Truth was, Vicky needed some quick cash. So she ends up selling her home, which is valued at $235,000 for only $95,000 in today's market. And as soon as she got that, the money was withdrawn from several different accounts. And all of this was part of an elaborate escape plan for Casey that she had planned for April 29th, 2022, which was the day she was supposed to retire. So that brings us to April 29th. At 6.30 a.m., Vicky checks herself out of the Quality Inn where she had booked a room the night before. She went to work, like usual, and then at 9.41 a.m., she pulls Casey out of his cell. And the cover reason is that she's supposed to be taking him out for a mental health evaluation at the courthouse. And normally protocol is for two officers to transfer an inmate, but somehow Vicky managed to get him out just on her own. And surprise, surprise, this evaluation was never even scheduled. It did not exist, but that's what she told other officers. And she also said that after she took him there, she was planning to go seek medical attention because she wasn't feeling well. So she takes him out of his cell and the two walk right out of the building into her patrol car in just minutes and they're off and not to the courthouse. Authorities say the 38-year-old inmate, Casey White, who was awaiting trial on murder, struck up a relationship with 56-year-old Vicki White, no relation. Her co-workers described her as an exemplary employee, but authorities say she planned how to get Casey out for a while. She even sold her home and announced her retirement beforehand. Then on April 29th, authorities say Vicki picked up Casey from the jail for what she said was a mental health evaluation, which authorities later learned was never even scheduled. 
The two of them fled in her patrol car. At 11.43 a.m., Vicky's 2013 Ford Taurus patrol car was spotted in the Florence Square Shopping Center parking lot, but their escape wasn't fully realized right away. Vicky had parked her orange 2007 Ford Edge in this same parking lot the night before so that they could ditch her patrol car and hopefully drive further before anyone noticed that they were gone. But her abandoned patrol car sparked some concern. And when officers were notified about her vehicle, just being left there alone, they were concerned. So officers at Lauderdale County Jail were notified that her car was just sitting there and they were confused because she's supposed to be taking Casey to the courthouse. So they give her a little call. I mean, it didn't make sense for her car to just be sitting at a shopping center parking lot. And surprise, she did not answer the phone. So at 3.30 that day, they realized what had happened and they reported both of them missing. And having this car just abandoned in the parking lot like that made officers realize that this had been planned thoroughly, possibly for a while. Inside the car, they find her jail keys, they find a radio, and they find Casey's handcuffs. Authorities say she bought men's clothing from a department store beforehand so that Casey would have something to change into. So news of their escape spread quickly. And now the public was on the lookout for a 5'5", 160-pound blonde woman and a 6'9", 330-pound man. Also, Casey's tattoos were highly publicized, hoping that they would possibly lead to his discovery. There's also been a lot of speculation about his possible connection to a white supremacy group, considering some of his tattoos. You can see on his inner bicep, it looks like he has a double lightning bolt. Um, SS kind of looking uh, tattoo, which is very much associated with white supremacy. And on the on his right side of his chest, it looks like he has a coat of arms with a swastika and um, another set of lightning bolts. And on the back, um, that he it looks like he has a Confederate flag with. I think it says Southern Pride or something like that. Now, as soon as this information got back to people that worked with Vicky or just knew her, everyone seemed to be shocked that this was totally out of her character. But one jail guard who worked with her said that she was an incredibly smart woman and would have this all planned out if she was actually going to try to pull something like this off. And also he mentioned that it was likely that she would dye her hair a darker color to try to change her identity. So authorities also shared edited photos of what Vicky would look like with brown hair, both long and short, in case she did attempt to disguise herself. Uh, I think what you do is you check Airbnbs within, you know, a four hour period, 3000 mile period, see who's rented them. The feds can do that easily for two, three months at a time. That's what they did. They went under. They're going to stay under three months. You know, people won't even unless everyone keeps bringing it up, even remember this. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's what you're counting on. But you also have to remember that they, when you escape from a prison, it becomes the FBI federal marshal's job to catch them. And uh, you got one life sentence. This is a shoot-to-kill prisoner. He's got nothing to lose, right? He's he facing the death penalty. Exactly right. 
On May 1st, a $10,000 reward was posted by the U.S. Marshal Service for any information that led to Casey's capture. Obviously, Vicky was also wanted, but Casey was considered highly dangerous and likely armed. And then the following day, a warrant was issued for Vicky's arrest for facilitating escape in the first degree. And a $5,000 reward for information leading to her capture was posted on May 4th. That, uh, that makes the total reward for Casey White $15,000, the total reward for Vicki White $10,000. So a total of $25,000 in reward money now. And obviously she did all of this the day that she was supposed to be retiring. But the sheriff's office announced that she was actually considered no longer employed at this point, fired, because of what she did. And it turns out her papers were never even finalized yet, so she would not be receiving a pension. So for a while, there wasn't any information coming out until Friday, May 6th, when a call came in to authorities that a car matching the description of the car believed to be used by Vicky and Casey had been towed nearly a week before, which is crazy. That means they had a whole week head start. It was actually the very same day they escaped, Friday, April 29th, that Vicky and Casey abandoned the Orange Ford Edge. And the car was found two hours north of the jail on a rural road just off I-65 and had been towed into Williamson County, Tennessee. And it took six days for the car to be identified as theirs, giving them almost a whole week to get a jump. There's no fault or blame on anyone. You know, the tow driver told it Friday afternoon. I'm, I'm sure that he's probably seen some of the coverage that you guys have provided us. Uh, saw the description of the car and then probably a light went off and said, hey, you know, I think I remember towing that car and went out in the lot and found it. Based on the direction that the car faced, it was believed that they were heading north. And they actually tried to spray paint the car. Uh, They didn't get very far with that. I think they realized that that wasn't going to work out too well. And police believe that the car had broken down, and that's why they ditched it. And like I said, they ditched it that first day, and only two hours had passed since their escape. But since the public didn't know they needed to be looking for them, Vicki and Casey were likely just walking freely down the road, or they possibly were able to catch a ride with someone, all without drawing any suspicion. Obviously, you know, they could have walked or someone could have picked them up. I mean, that's really about the only two options. We're hoping maybe they walked somewhere and then stole a vehicle. So, you know, as we speak, they're working on researching to see if any vehicles were reported stolen in that area. Uh, They might have gotten a ride somewhere because, remember, at this time, there'd been no information put out. We wasn't even aware they, they were missing. So, you know, if somebody saw them walking down the road, they might have just picked them up. After the discovery of the car, authorities began a ground search of the area looking for clues that would point them in the right direction. And they also looked at local neighborhoods and asked anybody if they had seen or picked up these two that day. And Vicky's mother was completely shocked when she found out what had happened. She said, quote, as a mother, I didn't know how to act because I thought at first it was a mistake. And then when I found out for sure it was, it was just disbelief. She said that Vicky had never even spoken about her retirement and had never once mentioned Casey in the two years that they had apparently been acquainted. She also said that Vicky had never spoken about her retirement and never mentioned Casey. As a mother, I didn't know how to act. You know, I thought at first it was a mistake. And then when I found out for sure it was, I, it was just a d- disbelief. I lay in there at night and it, you can't get it off your mind. And then when you wake up, if you do fall asleep, that's the first thing that you think of. You know, if you've got a kid and 
she's out there. It's just like, you know, she's in danger. You know, I never heard of him, never seen his picture, nothing. I didn't know anything about him. We don't know if she was took by force or if she was voluntarily in this. But we just want her back. That's all we want. She's never done any. I doubt she's ever even had a speeding ticket. But, I mean, she's always been, what I'd say, a good person. And, like I say, this is all a shock. We want her home. We'll go pick her up if she'll just call and tell us. Come and get her. We'll go pick her up. Meanwhile, Casey's mom was also shocked to know that the woman who had visited them, sent cards for his kids, that he referred to as his wife, was actually the director of corrections. And she publicly said that Vicky was the mastermind behind their escape. And once again, her son was the victim of a, quote, bad woman. So the district attorney had brought up a theory, the wheelchair theory, as it was referred to during all of this, that maybe Vicky was wheeling Casey around in a wheelchair because that would throw off people when it came to his height because he's 6'9". I mean, he's a big dude very noticeable. The district attorney, uh, who is very much a part of this investigation, says they are working on one theory that it is possible uh, that they have a wheelchair with them and that Vicky is actually pushing Casey in a wheelchair and that he may have a wig on to disguise himself as a woman. Uh, she has him in the wheelchair, possibly, so that you can't tell how tall he is. Uh, they're not sure that that's what's happening. It's one thing they're looking into. Uh, they're also not sure where they are tonight. They say at this point they could be anywhere. So he tells people to be on the lookout for a woman pushing a man in a wheelchair, but no reports of anything like this ever came in. The police also said that Vicki had been using an alias. Uh, we know she used aliases and, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're following up on that as well. She used the alias to purchase the car. So, you know, we know she has used those aliases. Uh, that was another piece of information that was inadvertently let out earlier this week. So I'm assuming she's probably ditched those aliases and uh, probably got some new identities now. Although, for the most part, the belief was that they were long gone from this area, especially with how long it took them to figure out that they weren't even in the Orange Ford. An interesting tip did come in from a man named James Stinson. James, who is the owner of a car wash in Evansville, Indiana, first noticed a 2006 Ford F-150 parked in one of his car wash bays on May 4th. And days went by and this vehicle didn't move. He found it very unusual that every time he came back, the car was still there. So he decided to take a closer look. And he actually said that when he first, you know, went to look at the vehicle, he was worried that there might be like a dead body inside. And there wasn't a body, but he did notice a few things. The vehicle had Tennessee plates, the keys were still in the car, and there was a gun lock, but no gun. So he ends up getting in the vehicle and moving it out of the bay because he was blocking potential customers, obviously, for his business. But he decided to call police and see if maybe this was a stolen vehicle. And an officer was actually sent out, but he said because this wasn't reported as a stolen vehicle that there was nothing he could do. I, I had him get out and he looked inside the car and he said, oh my God, there's a gun lock. There might be a gun in there. No, there ain't no gun. He done the same thing. He stuck his key in it and it started. So he said, I can't help you. It's not reported stolen. So all I, I said, I know what to do. I'll call Tri-State and I'll have it told. I can't have it here. So I called Tri-State. They come after. But James, 
had a strong feeling that there was more to this vehicle. So that's when he pulls up surveillance footage and he notices a very tall man matching Casey's description just lurking around the car. And he actually realizes that this might be Casey White. So he gets on the computer, he pulls up a picture of Casey, pulls up his tattoos, and he actually matches them to the tattoos on the man at his car wash. But by this time, James had already gotten the car towed. But once, you know, he made this connection that it was Casey, obviously the U.S. Marshal Service was notified. Yesterday at 8 o'clock in the evening, the U.S. Marshal called me from Alabama. And they asked me, they said, did you have a car towed from your car wars? I said, yes, I did. And I said, it's got to do with that guy from Alabama. He said, yeah, we're pretty sure it is. And I said, where, he said, where do you have it towed to? I said, he said, Tri-State. And he said, he said it was report stolen. And you, you spoke? And, and what I said, and I told him, I said, that, that police officer told me it wasn't reported stolen. I said, what I'm thinking, they stumbled up on the car with the keys in it, so they just stopped out and took it. They probably don't even know what's going yet. And that U.S. Marshal said, you're exactly right. But what was pretty surprising to police is that this car was located only 175 miles from Williamson County, where their Ford Edge had been abandoned. So based on the information gathered, police believed that the two of them had been in Evansville, Indiana since May 3rd and were likely still hiding out there. And in that surveillance footage captured by James, authorities were able to learn that the two had ditched the Ford F-150 for a Cadillac. So now they had their next car to track down and they're hoping that they can find it before it's abandoned for something else. So that brings us to May 9th, an officer in Evansville actually spots the Cadillac at a Motel 41. He contacts investigators and begins looking at the property. And not long after, Vicky and Casey were seen leaving the motel and getting into a vehicle. And just as suspected, Vicky was wearing a dark wig. So officers start following them as they leave the motel. And obviously it doesn't take Vicky very long to figure this out. And soon it's a full on car chase. Now, Vicky actually calls 911 during this chase, but it's believed that this was somehow accidental. But this 911 audio was actually released, and I'm going to play it for you now. 911. So they chase them for a little while and eventually it all comes to an end after a U.S. Marshal Task Force member drove his car into the Cadillac and caused it to flip into a ditch. And as soon as officers actually got to the vehicle, Vicky had already taken her own life with a shotgun to the head. Vicky died on scene from her injuries. However, Casey was arrested. We could hear her on the line saying she had her finger on the trigger. In the vehicle, they uncovered several different weapons. They also found $29,000 in cash inside of the Cadillac. And they also found out that the two of them had a prepaid two-week stay at the Motel 41. But at this point, it's unknown where they plan to go after if they did have a plan. 
beyond that point. And it turns out they even had a homeless man check into the motel for them so that they could go undetected. So following his arrest, Casey was temporarily sent to Vanderburg County Jail, where he waived his extradition rights and stated that he wanted to return to Alabama. And once he was in Alabama, Casey was arraigned on the charge of escape in the first degree and transferred to William E. Donaldson Correctional to await his trial. It's been reported at this point that Casey may face charges regarding Vicky's death, but this has yet to be confirmed. But whatever his new sentence comes to, it will be alongside his 75-year sentence that he was previously serving. And this isn't for sure, but it is believed that Casey White will be facing the death penalty. He will stay in handcuffs and shackles while he's in that cell. If he wants to sue me for violating his civil rights, so be it. He's not getting out of this jail again. So as of today, when I'm recording this May 22nd, the latest update is that an Alabama judge has ordered a DNA sample from Casey. And the Lauderdale County District Attorney said that the DNA sample is just routine in cases like this. As of right now, Casey is set to go to trial for the murder of Connie Ridgeway in mid-June. And the date for his escape trial has yet to be determined. And the investigation into the death of Christy Shelton, Casey's ex-girlfriend, one of them, who died of apparent suicide back in 2008, is also being reopened. So obviously there will be a lot more information coming out in the next few months to years possibly on these cases that Casey is connected to. I hope we get more information about Vicky and this relationship. I would love to know more about how all this was planned, how their relationship evolved, just more details about their relationship. Again, that is all we know as of May 22nd, 2022. However, if there is any more detail out by the time that I post this episode, I will have that in a pinned comment or the description box. But this one is, yeah, definitely crazy. It's interesting how far some people will go for love. That is going to be it for me today, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode. And make sure you follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really does help me out. If you want to watch the video version of this show, you can find it on my YouTube channel, which will be linked, or you can just search Kendall Ray. I will be back with another episode soon, but until then, stay safe out there. Oh,